Let's give it up to those kids, right? Man, what an amazing look to see these little guys, these young people, right? Students who are, who are moving, right? They're trusting God. They're moving in bold ways. And so from the mouths of our young people, like we get to see examples of what generosity looks like. So I'm so glad that we did that with those group of people, those kids, because they love God. They love him in real wholesome ways. And so today's a huge day for White Oak. I don't know if you know this. Uh, today is Commitment Sunday. We're going we're gonna to start off this amazing two years, right? We're going to cap off this series we've been in and shaken, and we officially start our journey of trust and obedience. Now, if this is your first Sunday with us, listen, I want to say welcome. And I want you to know that you've come at a really good time. Maybe you're watching online today and, you, and you've never checked us out before. I want to welcome you as well. Because for those of us who call White Oak home, those of us who have been here over this series, you've seen how we talked about how so many things about how God is shaking us up, how he is moving us to do bold things. And so today, if this is your first Sunday, you get to witness us as a church make our commitment to God over the next two years. Now, through this series, we've been learning about how the first people who were part of Jesus' ministry, right, the movement that he started, they did something wonderful. Peter and John, who were disciples, who actually knew Jesus personally, right, they take a moment to step out in faith. And because of that, the, the Christians who were living at the time when we were reading in, in Acts 4, they experienced God's release. They surrendered to God's sovereignty, his control. And then they asked him to move boldly in and through them. And then they experienced him shaking them up to bold steps of faith. They begin to pray bold prayers. And look what happens. It says in Acts 4.31, it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This is what this series is all about. If you missed any of the previous weeks, listen, I want to encourage you, go back and watch them. You can watch all of these by going to shakenchurch.com. All of those messages are out there. Those of you watching online, you can check that out. You'll want to hear them all because this is what God is asking us to do in and through our church. We want him to shake up our lives, to shake up our families, shake up our communities, shake up our priorities, right? Folks, we literally want him to shake us physically, in our hearts, and in our minds, Shake us up to be bold in our relationships. And in addition to all of these things, we're asking him to shake us up to generosity. That's what we're going to be talking about today, generosity. And today's big idea, and I want you to write this down. If you've got your shaking guide with you, if you've been bringing this with you every week, those of you watching online, you can get an electronic version of this on shakingchurch.com. But I want you to write this down on page 44. Write the big idea down, which is this, receiving grace empowers giving generously. Receiving grace empowers giving generously. I think we all have a different interpretation of generosity. For some of us, this is a word that we associate with things like, you know, our time or our stuff, our money, our, the help that we give to other people. And generosity denotes kindness, right? We even use the word to describe large portions of things. Listen, this week, I expect someone to say to me, Chris, that's a rather generous size of mashed potatoes you're going to have. <laughs> that is going to happen. I'm just saying. If that's my mother-in-law's mashed potatoes, I'm really going to eat a lot, okay? 
I'm sure there's no one sitting in here today or watching online that goes, what does generosity mean? I don't know what that word is. Because the truth is, we all have a definition of that in our head. I looked up the dictionary definition. It says the quality of being kind and generous. That's what generosity is. Or the quality of being plentiful or large. A synonym that we would use is abundance, right? This is how the word world we live in defines generosity. Giving out of our excess, giving in an abundance. And we celebrate these actions. We see CEOs of companies or celebrities, and they give millions of dollars away to fund education, to go towards civil rights, towards social justice, right? They, they give to do all these things, and we applaud that. We say, look how generous those people are. And they are being kind. They are sharing from the storehouses so that others can be blessed. But I've got to ask i got to think about it. Do you think this alone is what generosity looks like to God? Here's the reality. The word generous or generosity, it's not really in the Bible. Now, you're going to say to me, I'm definitely sure it's in there, right? And And that may be true. Hear me. We have words in Hebrew and Greek that have been translated or changed into generous or generosity. But the word itself was not part of the vocabulary at the time. In Hebrew, what we see, which is the, what the Old Testament was written in, we get to see a word that comes from a root word called barak. Barak, which is literally translated to mean to bless. Barak means to bless. Or if we say barakah, that's the, that's the way we say blessing, right? And in Greek, which is what the New Testament was written in, we get a word that's called agathos. Agathos which literally means it's translated to good or a good thing, the thing that which is good, right? This is what words they use. And I'm sure you're thinking, why are you telling me this, right? And first and foremost, isn't learning fun, right? Yeah, I try to tell my kids that. Second, it's important because we need to have context of what Scripture is actually saying when we try to read it, right? Being generous, listen, being generous, and this is going to shock you, it's not a command. It's not a command that we have. It's not a rule that we have to follow to make our way into the kingdom of heaven, right? But what it's saying, Scripture is telling us, is that generosity is a blessing that we give to others, right? Generosity is a good thing that we do. And I, don't, I want you to hear me say, good things don't get you into heaven, but they are things that we do because of what God's done for us. And in context and in the places where we've translated the word, these words into generosity, the words themselves have been related to things that we lend or give away freely to other people. See, the word generous isn't there, but I think there are places in Scripture where Jesus teaches on the matter that are important. And we want to take a look at one of those today. Together, we're going to look at this. And so if you've got your guide again where it says key verses, I want you to write this first one down. Write down Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Mark 12, 41 through 44. And if you will, turn with me, if you would. If you've got your Bible with you, turn with me or pull up a Bible app. If you don't have it, that's okay. Words will be on the screen behind me. But if you want a Bible, we want to give you one. We've got them available for you at the Hub. Stop by there. We'll give that to you. Once you take that home with you, make it yours. 
And in this narrative of Jesus' life, we get to see him sitting with his disciples, and he's going to teach them a lesson about something that he sees, something important that's happening. So, and we're going to see an example of what Jesus sees as generosity. Look at this with me. Starting in verse 41, it says, Jesus, stop that. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in very, in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So here we have these rich people coming, right? They're coming, to the, they're coming into the treasury to give their, their gifts, right, to the temple. And now the world standards, these were generous people. These were people who were being generous. Even, even generous, you may not know this, the word generous that we use actually comes from another word. It, it was derived from a word called generosus. And generosus means to be, actually the original meaning was to be of noble birth. That's what originally generous meant, to be of noble birth to be born into it, right? People of high stature, they were generous. They were born into it. They inherited that. So that's what it originally meant. We've kind of adjusted that word to where it is today. So these people were probably people of high stature in the world. Now, it doesn't say in this passage that they were making a big scene about it. Actually, it just simply says they were putting in large amounts. And they're, are they doing anything wrong? No, they're not. Actually, they're doing what God has commanded them to do. They're giving back. Yet here comes this poor widow. And she only has two small, small copper coins. Mark says they're only worth only a few cents. And she puts those in. And look at what Jesus says. He says, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. Now at first glance, listen, and I don't give this a second thought, like, I don't, but when I read it more, I realize something. I begin to realize something about Jesus, something that I think we oftentimes don't want Jesus to be doing, right? Something about Jesus that we don't think is true, which is this Jesus was comparing. He was comparing people. I think we think that sounds strange because we want to picture Jesus or God as this fair and unbiased person, right? He doesn't look at anything, He doesn't compare us to one another. God doesn't, doesn't do those things, He doesn't judge us. Yet right here, Jesus is doing it. He's comparing. And that might be a little scary for you. It is a little bit for me when I realize that because you don't like being compared to other people. You don't like being put up against someone. You don't want your gift compared to anyone else's. Now, don't get it too ahead of me. Listen, don't get too ahead of me and let you get hung up on that because I, wanna, I want you to look at what he's comparing. The next thing says, he says, listen, they gave out of their wealth but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. That, look at what he's comparing. He's not comparing financial situation. He's not comparing the size of the gift. He's comparing their hearts. He's looking at their hearts and saying, it's the size of your trust in me that matters the most. What my father, what you can trust him to do, that's what matters. Now, this is a special moment because this, this woman had nothing. She was a widow. And, 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 and widows in our society, they can work. They can live off Social Security. They can 
collect insurance, retirement. They can be cared for, right? There's social services that we've created to care for people in this situation. She didn't have any of that. That didn't exist back then. In those days, widows couldn't work. They didn't have a source of income. If they weren't married, they didn't have anyone bringing something in, right? She was on her own. And those two cents was everything that she had. She wasn't going to get any more unless God provided it or unless he sent someone to take care of her. This is what Jesus is comparing. He's comparing the size of the trust in the people. Because for those wealthy people, he's saying, listen, you got plenty at home to survive on. You got excess. You got estates and land and cattle and crops and stored resources. You're doing fine. They had sources of income. They were, and, and they were being faithful to God. Listen, it doesn't say they weren't being faithful. It sure looks like they were. Why else would they be throwing in large amounts, right? Yet the trust of this woman, Jesus is saying, the trust of this woman was a larger gift than the ones that they could give. Because this was an act of worship. She gave out of a place of nothing more, of everything she had, not out of a place of abundance. She was worshiping God by saying, I don't have any more, but I trust you to do big things with this. I want you to see that this is what generosity looks like to God. Generosity is not a big number on a page. It's not a place of nobility or high stature. It's a, complete, a place of complete worship. It's a complete trust and surrender it's a bold, taking a bold step and saying, God, this is what I've got, and I trust you to use it. Now today, we're going to write amounts. We're going to write amounts on these cards. If, if, if you're ready to take that step, we're going to write amounts. And I want you to know that the amount you write on this card is not as important as the trust you have in Jesus. Because here's the beauty in all of this. Here's the reality that I think you guys need to hear. No one else gets to know your amount. We have a small team of people, maybe two or three people, who are going to look at these cards, and they're going to send something to encourage you. But none of the pastoral staff, none of us, no one sitting around this room is going to know the amount that you commit to God today. They're not going to know that. They're not going to be seeing it and comparing it. I don't want you to get caught up in the amount that you write on this get your gift, right? That's not what I want you to get caught up in. What I do want you to get caught up on, what I want you to really be worried about and concerned about is the amount of trust that you have to surrender to God. Your trust is something that you should be caught up on. How much do you trust God? Why did this woman trust and surrender to God? That's striking to me because I'm going to say I'm almost 100% positive I wouldn't give away the last bit of my money I had unless I was getting ready to die. Why did she do it? I think she did it because she'd been told what God would do. She was an Israelite woman. She had heard the, th the things from the Old Testament, those, those promises of where God said, listen, move, and people moved out boldly. And when they did, right, there are so many great examples in the history of Israel where God has blessed those men and women, people like Abraham and Moses and David and Solomon and Ruth and Esther. 
Isaiah, Nehemiah, so many of them, right? And she probably heard all of these Old Testament narratives, right? These scriptures that spoke of the promise from God when she's obedient to his ways. And she wanted to worship that sovereign and mighty king. Maybe she'd even been there before and done the same. She had done this before. And God had provided for her in that time as well. And she knew that she had to continue to be obedient. Listen, we don't know her story, but we remember the big idea, which is this. Receiving grace empowers giving generously. So when she was down to her last coin, she had a choice, right? She could trust in the world. She could trust in what she could get from this world, or she could trust in God. And she said, I'll trust God. And when I read that and I realize the faith this woman had to have, it breaks me down a little bit. It causes me to look at my life and realize that everything I have, everything that God has done for me, and yet I struggle. I, I struggle. I'm telling you, it's not easy to write a number down. I got to think about what's my motivation? Why do I want to do this? What's yours? What's your motivation? Is it prestige? I mean, for some of us, it's about writing a big number down because we want to be above others. That's a reality. Maybe you give because you want recognition, and it bothers you that no one's going to see your number. You want the recognition. Maybe you're generous out of a compulsion to follow the rules. You've heard all your life. Oh, you got to give. The Bible says give, so I better give or else I won't get into heaven. Right? Or maybe are you given from a place of total surrender, of total trust, and you're pushed by God. He's pushing you out of your comfort zone. Are you giving as an act of worship? See, God multiplies our giving when we offer it in surrender and in faith. It doesn't have anything to do, like I said, with how much money we bring, but that we are willing to place that at the hands of Jesus, to give those to him. Because God's not short on money. I don't know if you know this. God's got plenty of it. But the giving by his people is the means by which he pursues his mission on earth and he releases his abundance. It's how God multiplies grace in our lives. Receiving grace empowers giving generously. When you receive grace and you give, it encourages other people to feel that grace. See, this woman... The thing about this story is you have to realize she hadn't even received that grace that Jesus offers. At this point, Jesus is still alive, and he hasn't gone to the cross for our sins. But in Acts, you know, sometime later when we're reading Acts 4, we get to see people who've experienced the grace of Jesus. They've already experienced that, and they're responding to God. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 4. And put this on page 44, again, on your guide, under key verses. Put Acts 4, verses 32 through 35. Now remember, we've just read that they've prayed. And the place has been shaken. They have been literally shaken by the power of the Holy Spirit. And look at what happens. All the believers were, in one, were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. 
And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Did you see what just happened here? Peter and John, they trusted God. And God moved in their lives. He moved in powerful ways, okay? And now we get back to the side of the situation where they respond. We trust. God moves. We respond. These people were so taken aback. They were so moved by what God was doing in their lives that they had no other option but to respond to God with everything they had. It says that believers begin selling their possessions. They begin giving generously to support the work of Jesus among their neighbors. Their first response to what happened was to start giving freely. See, they had learned the value of God's ownership and how they just manage his provisions, right? And they'd asked him to move powerfully in their midst. And so now they are compelled to move with him. They did this because they were beginning to see God's grace in their lives. The disciples are teaching them about the way that Jesus had cared for them, that he way for all of us, them and us, right? They can see that God is moving, and they believe in the power of Jesus. They believe that what he can do, the full life that he brings. And so what do they do? They respond with generosity, with good things, right? With blessings, that's the words, with blessings, receiving grace empowers giving generously. Verse 33 says that God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that their response was to make, their, make him their priority. Grace fueled their giving, not obligation, not recognition. This is the theology, guys, of first that lives throughout Scripture, God says, give me your first. Give me the first of everything. Now listen, we're about to go into a season here this week where something amazing happens after Thanksgiving, right? You know what that is? Leftovers. I love leftovers. I do. I love a good leftover, especially after Thanksgiving, right? I'm going to give you a piece of... I'm going to tell you something important. God does not want leftovers. He doesn't. He doesn't want what's left over. He doesn't want what's the extra. He doesn't want what's convenient or comfortable or what's done out of guilt. He doesn't want any of that. When we embrace God and that theology of first, we are saying, God, I will give you the first of everything I have, the best I have to offer, the first of my fruits, the first things that you have given to me, I will give back to you. And we get the leftover. And if we do that, we'll see him move in and through us in ways that we never thought possible. See, Jesus is looking for worshipers who give with a full heart. For God, because of God's grace and the love that he has for us, he's looking for people who are worshiping. They give from a place of worship. They give from a place of surrender and trust. And the alternative is, is to give to something, right? And a, a cause, to a human person, someone here, something like that. You're giving to something earthly, and that doesn't necessitate heart change. 
But when you give to God, when you give back to him in powerful ways, God moves in powerful ways. Listen, Jesus modeled this for us. He gave everything he had on the cross. He held nothing back. He laid himself bare to rescue us. He gave his life from a place of deep love. When we were in a place, when humanity was in a place where we could not be saved on our own, he stepped down. He came into our world. He became one of us. He suffered for us. And then he laid down his life for all of our sins. And he took the punishment that we deserved so that we could get the reward that he deserved. That's how much God loves us. And it drives us to worship him through our giving. I talked about it earlier that the word generosus, it comes from meaning of being of noble birth. And again, it's, you're part of a family that's nobility, right? That's where generosity came from. Hear me, people. We are adopted into a family that, that values generosity. We are made in God's image. And hear me, God is generous. We inherit that trait from God. And, if, and when we recognize God's love for us, we will take steps of generous giving simply and profoundly because we're loved. Because he loves us. So I want you to make a commitment, a commitment of generosity to this shaken season and ask God to shake you up. Now last Friday, November 11th, we gathered at the Cincinnati Museum Center for a historic night in the life of White Oak, we had over 400 people gathered together. We let out in steps of early trust and with our commitments, right? And so while we were there, several of our White Oak partners and families, they got a chance to share a little bit about their shaking commitment and what it means to them. And so I want you to check out this celebration that happened just a, about nine days ago. What I really believe is going to be a historic night in, in the life and the story of our church. And we've been asking God through this whole season to do really one simple thing, one profound thing, and that is that he would move in us so that he would move and do powerful things through us. Being here this evening with everyone has just been a real blessing to hear other people's stories and commitments and just watching our church grow in faith, stepping out in bold trust that God is moving us forward. What shaken means to us is uh, to move with God, to uh, start a journey, and uh, just to uh, do it joyfully. You know, being here tonight, seeing people not only from the Coring campus, but from the Ross campus, um, and just the, the music and being in this wonderful place um, really kind of shows shows me what God's goodness truly is. Walking through the doors tonight, you could feel that Jesus was in the room with us as we were walking to make these commitments together and to worship together tonight. Our shaking commitment is just a commitment to uh, generosity, what God's doing in our lives and in our hearts, and uh, wanting to make sure that we are just being faithful to him the way he's been faithful to us. We were prompted to change our initial thoughts of what we would give and how we would work um, to increase that and are really, really excited. 
we came into this knowing that we were going to make a commitment, but we didn't really talk about it until it was here, until he asked, what's your commitment? We decided to take a leap of faith and a leap of trust, and uh, we went with the bigger commitment because just in the faith and the trust of God and what it's going to do to our family and go from our family out to the outreaches of the world. This shaking commitment means to me faith, just getting my faith stronger in the Lord. We're taking this commitment and giving God all the glory for it. Our shaken commitment means to us, we want to be able to provide a place for uh, kids and families and generations to come where God can, can move through us boldly, just like for they have done for us. This shaken commitment means a more resolute commitment to our church that we're going to be going forward. For us, making a commitment to shaken means trusting in God, trusting God for the financial unknowns that are in front of us. We realized that God was telling us what it means is we're to give our lives away. So we've been looking for a lot of different opportunities to serve and to give, and shaken is just one more step in that process of giving ourselves away for, for God's glory. I've been praying and praying over, you know, what I would like to expand my giving to, but I would like very much to give in a sacrificial way. I just thank God every day that he is such a good God and he's um, so caring for each one of us. Listen, the early church prayed. They acknowledged that God owned everything. They asked him to move boldly in their lives through them in the name of Jesus, and he did. And so we're going to take our cards right now. We're going to go, Pam and I are going to walk down, and along with your family, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to come forward. There's these walls up towards the front that we want you guys to come forward and place these cards in the wall. But we are expecting God to move. We are expecting a shaken moment. And so today, I want you to ask, I want you to ask God to move boldly through you. Bring your commitments down as a family. Put them in through one of the slats here on the wall. You can go up and down to the very top or the bottom, okay? But we expect God to move. White Oak, let's get shaken. <laughs> 